Blog Talk Radio. December 10th, I don't know why, I always have trouble with that TH, December 10th, 2014, almost the end of the year, I think I said that last week as well, anyway, I run a recruiter's discussion group on Facebook, and you can find it at facebookrecruiter.com, the reason I mention that is because in the last couple of days, we've had some very interesting discussions there. Not everybody thinks they're good, but, you know, I found them kind of interesting. And one started when a good friend of ours said she didn't like the way LinkedIn did business. So she was going to remove her profile. And I said that was totally inane, not insane, inane. And I accused her of being a prima donna who was getting carried away by her feelings. But another person, another woman said, hey, wait a minute. Why does she have to be on LinkedIn? I know a lot of successful people who are not on social media. She said, this woman went on, she said that people are always telling her that a business has to be on social media these days. But in fact, only one of the 12 clients that she's worked with over the last two years have had their employees on LinkedIn. So, no, she says, you don't have to be on social media to make money. These companies are making money, and that's true for recruiting, she says, too. All you need is a phone. And here's something else related that came to me this week. It happened this past week. A friend of mine who's a very successful recruiter, he told me that he used to think that you had to have a good website to be successful, but he doesn't think that anymore. He said, you know, that might be true, but the fact is that if you're a recruiter and you're on, gee whiz, what am I saying? If you're a recruiter and you're going to do a search on LinkedIn, I'm going back to the first one now. If you're going to do a search on LinkedIn, you don't need a profile to do that. You can do it from Google. But isn't it easier? Tell me the truth. If you have a profile and you can be a recruiter without a website, but these days people do want to check you out online and it can't hurt to have something there, can it? Can it? And if you're a regular person with a job, you are crazy if you don't have a profile on LinkedIn. I mean, why not make it easy for recruiters to find you just so they can tell you what's happening for free? As my good friend Sandra McCart says, I don't know if she'd like me to call her my good friend, but as Sandra McCart says, if you're a fish who wants to be caught, Go where the people are fishing. And if you disagree, I dare you to call in and tell me on Jerry. Jerry, what show is this? This is the Recruiting Animal Show.
Thank you, Animal, for giving me this short two seconds of fame every Wednesday at noon Eastern time, right here on Blog Talk Radio Show. You are famous for this shout. People call me all the time. Yeah. All the time. I got a question before I bring the guest on, Jer. You've got a question for me? Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. I'm right here. You're a social media guru. I love it. Yeah, what do you think when you see people call corporate recruiting an ecosystem? The ecosystem. <laughs> Does that word mean anything to you? Oh, an ecosystem. Eco, not I eco. wouldn't even know where to start. It's pathetic. It's ridiculous. I wouldn't know where to start. My goodness. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I have no comment. Okay, i got to warn you about something. I think it's going to be another bad day for you because the guest is not a recruiter. He's not a recruiter. He's okay, a well, I, I, I need to interject something. Uh, as some of our Facebook friends know, typically we put up a pretty large Christmas tree. Well, I was on my way down to the mall earlier, and my wife called, and she said, Oh, no, the Christmas tree is falling over. We have a slanted Christmas tree, and it might Don't fall bore us, at any Jerry. moment. Don't bore us. Don't bore I'm us, not Jerry. boring you. I, there will be no after show today. I do not have time. I have to. I have to. Be, I have to fix this Christmas tree. Okay, great. I'm sorry. Thank, thanks very so much. So let's squeeze it all in, okay? Yeah. Okay. Fine. All right. Bobby Sanders, are you there? Bobby Sanders, my dad. I'm here. Good. Sound sound lively. Sound lively. I'm going to try. Okay. I don't know if I can follow that scream. Okay. A lot of people have tried. No one ever has. So don't even bother with it. I'll give you a chance. We're going to sing the song, the opening song. I sent you the lyrics. Are you ready? No, you you don't understand. If you want to lose your entire audience, invite me to sing. Okay, here's another new guy. Here's uh, Bob. There is no audience. (laughs) Okay, back to you. (laughs) We're going to do it. I'll, I'll count to three and just show that you've got some guts. You're a salesman. That's the whole point. You got to put yourself out there. You can't be a chicken. Okay. One, two, three. In the midnight moonlight, moonlight I'll, I'll be walking, be walking along and a lonely mile. Right. Yeah, you're doing it. And every every time, time I, I do, I keep seeing. I keep seeing Picture of you. of you. Here comes my comes baby. My baby. Yeah! Here she comes now. Here she comes now. Walk I told you, man. Okay, that's great. You did it. He, hey, tried. he gave it a shot. I'll give you an eight. Eight and a half on that. I like yeah. it. I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him. I saw Cat Stevens, by the way. After he got religion, he came to speak here in Toronto. He was weird. I just got to tell you. And I could defend that if someone wants to argue with me. Anyway, uh... He came to talk. He didn't come to play. Anyway, so Bob, Bobby Sanders, tell us who you are in 30 seconds. I am a new business consultant for the toughest marketing plant uh, industry in the world, which is trying to help ad agencies get new business. Okay. Now, why did you come here? Because we don't work in the ad agency business. Mm. No, but you guys are agencies, and you work with people. And I'm uh, the Hold on, hold on, hold on. Several of the industry trainers, though, Bob, have stricken the word agency from our vernacular. Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah. They say if you say you're an agency, it it, it diminishes you. It it puts you in a lower caliber. That's Mike Kramer. 
Mike Raymer just be seen. I wasn't naming names. I didn't say it was Mike Raymer. All right, let me ask you this. What what do your clients call you? Jerry. Bam! (laughs) Okay, so you think there's a parallel. You think there's a parallel, right? I think there's a parallel. I think that there's some. Uh, <laughs> let me use let me use one of your banned words: synergies between uh, the uh. two industries. Uh. Okay, okay, I'll go with it. I'm with you. Yeah, let's okay. let's 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 take that path. Yeah, let's do okay. it. Not not synergy, okay? But look, I got a question for you right off the start. When I was putting the the, the website together for the show, I you know got some pictures of you, and I noticed that you've got a number of different colored shirts. With your company logo on the pocket, I mean, it makes you look like a, a plumber. Is that something you advise for everybody? No, no. But I, I work in a. I'm, a, I'm in a consulting business, and uh, our brand is well known in the uh, ad agency world. So that little road sign S is, uh, you know, an iconic thing that I like to try to bring up as possible. I like as possible. it. I like it. Yeah. Jerry, do you do it for your team? I have uh, logoed shirts. You do? Yeah. And why? Do you think it helps? Do you wear them out to when you when you go? Uh, uh, Mostly when I, I I did have a couple of them, and uh, sometimes I wear them out to customers, and they say, "Hey, nice looking shirt." Other times, and most times, I wear it golfing, um, just so I can feel self-important when I'm teeing off. Okay, what about hey, you, when- Bob? When you go, when I go to an agency, one of the key things that I try to focus on is that you need to live your brand. And so if I'm wearing a coat and tie, I'll have a little S on my coat. If I'm wearing a shirt, it'll have an S on the shirt. I just want to remind people how important it is to always have your brand at the front of your mind. Hmm. Some jerks are making noise. Somebody's making noise. Not that bad yet. Okay. Okay, so Bob, I asked you here. I asked you to come on because I liked one of your articles. It's a very, it's a long or comprehensive one. It's called "How to Survive When Your Gorilla Client Inevitably Leaves," and you really you walk us, uh, you walk us through the sales process. You say it happens to every agency sooner or later. That big client suddenly leaves. And then you tell us what to do. So let's run through your recommendations. I'm going to mention a real-life issue, though, that I just got off Jerry's Facebook group. Adam. What one is that? What Facebook group is that? Adam, who was uh, Jerry's group. Adam, who was a guest on this show, he said calling me at the same time every other day and leaving the same message is not the way to break into my company. Do you agree with him? Yes. Okay, so you're going to have to tell us why. Do you want to do that now or save that for later when you get through the process? Well, I, I can do it now real quick and then get a little deeper into it. Okay. Um, just cold calling and trying to pester somebody is a good way to get a maybe a meeting and a quick dismissal because it shows that you haven't done your homework, you haven't paid attention to their industry, and you're not trying to build a relationship. Okay. Yeah, somebody's moving their house or something in the background there. It's irritating me, okay? So here's the first new rule. Here's the first rule, you say, of new business development. If you don't have other prospects already lined up when your big client leaves, shame on you. The first rule of new business development is never stop developing new business. And you want me to just finish off? It says it, it takes a long time to ramp up new business after the grill leaves. Who's doing that? That's so disagree. Good grief. That's ridiculous. Okay. 
it says take a long it takes a long time to set up to ramp up new business after the gorilla leaves you don't want to be caught empty handed so we'll just get that out of the way theoretically you should be doing this all the time is that right can i ask one question though be- Go ahead, before you move sure. on to the answer is it okay to have a gorilla client and do you want one Look, every agency on the marketing side wants a gorilla client. I mean, it's nice to have that big client that covers all your overhead and does all the, you know, makes it easy for you to do more new business and to reach out and to develop new skills. So I agree. I think it is important to have many gorilla clients. Try to get as many big clients as you can. Now, if you have one client that is 70% of your revenue, you're in deep trouble. But what if you know that going into it? You're like, okay, I realize this is going to be a big gorilla client. I'll take it. Yeah, take it. And then immediately ramp up new business and ride the coattails, man. Sometimes I find myself in that situation, you know. I mean, like you'd like to have several gorilla clients, but you're – what? Somebody is ruining to, your show, and it's yeah, not I have me. To go through all, I have to go through every every caller. You talk to Bob for a second while I go through the numbers, okay? <laughs> Bob, I, let me ask him a question. With this gorilla client thing, though, if you've got a gorilla client, it's going to absorb all your resources. You have to hire more people to do something else, right? Yeah, so do it. I mean, look, business it's, it's growth, better man. to have a bird in the hand than not have anything. Okay. It's just you, me, and Jerry now. Is the noise still on? No, but, man, what area code was that? I'm going to hunt him I down. I don't know. Everybody's turned. I've muted everybody. Well, that's no good. I know, but I, it's hard for me to find that noise. It's intermittent. So, this is crazy. Well, track it down. Godspeed okay. on that animal. Okay. God so, speed. okay, let's move on. The first yep. thing when you're going for business is well, Jerry's favorite thing, branding yourself. You don't want to, ha- and you say you don't want to have an alphabet soup with a brand that doesn't say anything. Want to talk to us about that? Go ahead, feel free. Yeah, look, every agency on the planet started off as being DMBNB, BBDNO, D. You know, I mean, I could go down the laundry list of ad agencies that started off with a collection of alphabet soup. That used to be fine, and if you're IBM, it still works. But today. It's better to have something that says who you are, what you believe, and what you do. You call yourself the animal show. That says something about you and about the show. If you say that you're ABC recruiting, who cares? Give me something more. So if your name, if your company is, if your name is Alan Smith and your uh, partner is named Brian Jones, don't call yourself Smith and Jones and Associates? You can, but then you have to have a stronger positioning, an area of focus, something that you can hang your hat on. That what does Allen and Smith or Ass do? Then you shouldn't. You certainly wouldn't want to be S J agency, <laughs> you <know>? right? <laughs> yeah, stay away from. I mean, and not like that, but it's hard to get you know any type of search engine traction or any type of uh, online presence with a ABC type name. Well, do uh, ad agencies need an online presence? Is that how people find them? Yeah, you'd be surprised. I mean, look, 20 years ago, we used to tell agencies that if you're not doing Yellow Pages marketing, you're you know you're stupid because you know where most prospects go. Used to go 20 years ago to find a new agency, they would go to the Yellow Pages and open it up and flip through ad agency. Today, they go online and they hit Google. I need an ad agency that can help me launch a new product, and they're going to call the top ten agencies that come up. It's not word of mouth. 
some of it is still word of mouth, of course. You know, they're going to call their buddies and their business partners and go to the club and ask, hey, what agency are you using? Do you like them? Are they any good? So referrals and word of mouth is still important naturally. But that, do you want to block a 20%, you know, lead on, generator well, from not there's having some people, type of online? Of on the line. Who, who's actually got good business from any recruiters here got good business from uh, Google searches? I've never heard of it. No. Anybody? I don't think it works in our business that way. I don't no, know. I, don't. I, might, I might be wrong. If you're counting on that, then <laughs> wait. So you're telling me that search, so inbound marketing. Do you you're familiar with that term? Yeah, but you can. <laughs> we were just my, talking my, about it earlier. You can tell my audience what it means. Yeah, it's it's basically building content and hooks for search engines so that more people can find you online when they search for something specific. You're telling me that you guys never get any leads from somebody who goes and lands on your webpage, scrolls through it a few times, and then gives you a call and says, hey, I'm looking for some help? That is Harry, correct. Harry that does. Is correct. Not, not many people I've ever heard of, no. No. I, the, the people that would randomly call me, since most recruiting firms, Bob, work in a very specific niche or discipline, yeah. the chance of somebody finding them is pretty slim. That's to be confused with an employment agency, an employment agency, where you just want to hire some people, like some labor, or maybe yeah, no, an accountant. So it, I mean, it just it. They, they okay, never, they on. never end up on. Let's it. move on. Let's move on. Let's not beat it move to on. death. I forgot move to move on. Move on. Yeah, I forgot to ask you a question with the branding. It's you asked on your article. Do you have an old sounding name? <laughs> what does that mean? Like Smith and Jones and Associates? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's what? fine if you have a long – if you've got a 50-year history and you've built up a good brand presence, then keep the name. But if you're a two-person shop in the middle of nowhere who's had Smith & Jones as the name of their agency for 20 years and you're still a two-person shop and you want to grow your agency, then maybe you may want to think about rebranding yourself. Like what's a better-sounding name? Come up, look. You're in the ad agency. Call yourself Wildfire. Call yourself uh, Innovative Recruiting Solutions, or something a little bit better than two generic names. Uh, doesn't Innovative Recruiting Solutions count sound kind of hackney to you? I know it's just off the cuff, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, it does. Okay, okay what but, about you know? Here, it you depends say- on what you're going after. Who's your target audience? That's what I would do if I had to rebrand an agency. And as a matter of fact, I'm getting ready to do that right now. I'm about ready to fly up to New York and go out and talk to, you know, 10 of their cl- current clients and 100 prospects and find out what are their real needs, what are they looking for, and how do they operate, and what do they think of marketing. And based on that, we're going to come up with a new brand, new positioning, and maybe even a new name. Okay. Now, you say, first of all, I didn't say your Twitter name is, tell us your Twitter name, New Business it, Hawk, right? Yeah, New Business Hawk. New Business Hawk. And your web company website with your blog and easy to read articles, that is SandersConsulting.com? Yep. SandersConsulting.com. This guy's name is Bob Sanders, okay? Bobby to us, because we're all pals. Now, anyway, uh, you are, are you looked at as an old fashioned firm? What does that mean? Do you, uh, here, let me put it to you this way. In, our, in my parlance, it would be we're a full service highly creative, integrated marketing shop. That's old-fashioned. Everyone yeah. has said that for 25 years. Yeah. Give, give me something a little bit better. Give me something uh, a little bit more, you know, 
pizzazz. We're on the cutting edge of the digital revolution, and we transform brands for the 22nd century. Jerry, that's when you're supposed to groan, okay? Like, I don't agree with the new stuff either. They both sound odd to me. Like, hackneyed, just hackneyed phrases. I'm sorry. I'm being blunt with you, okay? Is, I don't want to... No, go for it, but let's, I mean, let's look at it from Bob's perspective. He, this is all advertising, okay? It's what, you, what image you want to project. Unfortunately, exactly. our work is in somebody actually being placed in a job and sending an invoice. So we're we're based on results rather than theoretically what what you want to project. It doesn't matter what I project, it matters what am I doing today, who am I sending to an interview, you know, what business am I doing? What I project no, really has nothing to do with what I clients. do. No, 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 Jerry, we're talking about going and getting out business from people what? who don't know you yet. Yeah, That's but what Jerry has about. a good point. I mean, as recruiters, we're sort of uh, inured to any kind of marketing or personal branding. We were trained to look right through that, past it, because, you know, I won't even read a summary or an objective. I want to see what the guy was doing now, you know, so it, branding and commercial. But you guys? I mean, honestly, look, if if I wanted to hire a recruiting firm and I go to their web page, I'm going to look past the, the glitz and the banner and whatever else they might have, and I'm going to look at – what have they done? Who have they done it for? And right. what results have they gotten? Right, but the, how much of that is branding? Well, that is your brand. How so you your it's, it helps. it's really your reputation and history and track record. Yeah, but yeah. now let me ask you this. How do I find you? That's what the brand helps. Well, exactly, which in recruiting, you don't find us. Because right. chances are 5,000 of us have already called you today. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> in recruiting, we find you. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, just that's like, our rub. Yeah, Bob, that's the thing. Just like Adam said, he doesn't like people calling him the same, you know, every every day at the same time with the same voicemail. I'm wondering if you could come up with a better way for us to get business, you know, proactively, because that's what we do. We call up people we don't know, or we contact them in some way and try to get business, a door knocking kind of thing. That's what it is. All right, here, let me, have, let me offer this thought. Perhaps instead of just cold calling and door knocking, you start offering something of value. Again, if you're a recruiting firm and you have an area of expertise, let's say that you're fantastic at staffing boards or something along those needs. Go out. It's a little high-end for us. All right. It's a little high-end for us. Go ahead, though. You know, okay, Jerry's an IT. manufacturing supervisor. Jerry's an IT. IT guy. They're perfect. Yeah. So find a list of good prospects with IT. You go out and you get the, you know, generate a list of a couple hundred people. Now reach out and nudge them with articles, white papers, thought pieces, list of do's and don'ts, good content, things of value, things that'll help them in their job. But, uh, things let's that'll be make a little more specific. I've read that in a million articles. What do yeah, you mean I'm going to nudge. I'm going to nudge them with the kind of person I know they want to hire. I'm going to nudge them with my product. And, and I, then and that's a great thing. But if that's just the product, difference between. Golly, go there. Yeah, that's what I do. So what I'm hearing is that our business doesn't fit into right. the other agency kind of model. It's different. You go with the goods. It's like hawking on the. Like Jerry always says, "Don't do. Or do you want to buy a chicken?" But that's essentially what we got. We come around with our car. The trunk is full of uh, wholesale goods or whatever it is, and you say, "Hey, do you want to buy some of this?" Stuff? Various specialty chickens, though. Yeah, yeah okay. we got we got roosters, we got Cogburns, we got you know we got all types of fun chickens you, here. Park, what chicken do you park, want? 
Yeah. You park near the parking lot of a fact, a big factory, and as the guys go by, you say, "Hey, you want some of this?" Or you actually go up to them. It's it's like a it's more like old-fashioned selling in a bazaar, hassling people, uh, you know, to come and look at you. But now let me ask you this: Don't don't some big brands have recruiting firms, agencies on on retainer? Yeah, I don't, not ma- not many. Okay, no, I wouldn't think. Well, they take they they work retained searches. They, it's a little different, but uh, it's like, okay. okay it's so I, I don't know. So you say okay. So let's move on to the next one. Okay. Well, you say make it easy to do business with your agency. I like what you said. Real easy, like pancake mix. That's cute. I really liked it, but I don't know what we're talking about here. Just give them what they're asking for, not what you think they should have. Is that what you're saying? Oh, people are often- you hate that animal. You prefer to argue with your customer about what he really needs because that's what you have. Well, that's what I want to ask, Bob. Yeah, see. But let me, before he says, I'm a firm believer in getting your customer what they tell you they want. Look, what we're talking about here is after you've just lost your gorilla client. If that's the case, then I would say any lead that comes in, find a way to solve their problem first. Do what they ask, get in the door, start doing some good work for them, and then grow the business from there. Generally, though, I argue that most agencies, most marketing agencies, do what we call discounting, which is if you go to a client and they say, uh, you know, I need a new brochure or I need a new TV spot or I need a new brand or whatever it is, they say, look, we do 100 brands. Let me show you all the great brands we do. We do 100 web pages. Let me show you all the great web pages we do. They discount the problem. They minimize it, and they make it seem easy. Generally, I'm with Animal. I think you need to make it seem tough. Otherwise, why pay for you to do it? Okay, that's a good point. Okay, but you said make it seem easy like pancake mix. (laughs) Make it easy to do business with. Right after you lose a big client, you got to have that, you know, just add water and mix. Oh, okay, I see. You know, that applies uh, uh, on people who are applying for jobs online. You don't want them to have to jump through too many loops or they'll get turned off. You have to make it easy. Easy like one click. Yeah, like three clicks. That's corporate recruiting, not, not us. But there might be some corporate recruiters here. Maureen, I saw you commenting. Are you on the line? I'm here. You want to say anything? You, you like the no, image of a guy? Oh, is that you making what? the noise before? Was that you making the noise? No, no, I have you on mute. Okay, you don't want to say anything to Bob. About? Okay, forget it. I just about want to make what we've been answer, talking okay? about? Yeah. yeah, I'm listening. Okay, thank you, Maureen. Okay. Thanks, Maureen. Okay. Alejandro, get back to, get any, back to uh, hassling Margo, why don't you? No, no. Alejandro, Two ears. anything else? Two ears, I, one mouth. I'm, I mean, I made my comment so far. I'm I'm doing the same thing. I'm taking it all in. I okay. think inbound marketing is, I don't know, for what I do, it doesn't apply. You know, I wish we're, it did. We're, all, we're automatically placed in the position where we're evaluating everyone, and that's the same thing. We're getting evaluated. I think that people look at our marketing and they say that's tripe. It's just the, the usual track. I don't. I don't think that branding and marketing does too much to differentiate. What about what about what, you, what I said in the introduction? You think a recruiter? You think a recruiter needs a website? A fancy uh, website? A personal recruiter? I don't think so. I think you can. 
Honestly, I think that you can use Twitter like you were talking about a couple weeks back or months back. I don't remember. You can use that as your splash. You can use LinkedIn. There's all, all kinds of ways. I I don't bother yeah, with it. Yeah, recruiters don't need a website. What, what's supposed to be on there? Just so that, well, what about, Jerry, a LinkedIn profile? You've got to have something so people, when, don't they check you out when you're calling? So they oh, can, yeah, yeah, they yeah. Jerry. So you need, and you need I a have profile. A, we have a website, but it's just a static bunch of junk. I yeah, mean, it's not updated. Be, There's no... Well, half of... Look, it's a brochure. Well, firms need them. Yeah, yeah. Individual yeah, a, recruiters, I don't know. I look hey, at it as more or less just an online business card where people that maybe you've contacted, and before they, before they call you back or reply to your email, they just want to see who you are. Hey, look, every, check it out. everybody in my world does that. They're going to go online and check you out before they do anything else. And if you don't have something, then my trust level just plummeted. Yeah, like, well, the world you how, inhabit how much, is a little different, much? though. A LinkedIn profile or more? Do you have to have more than that If they LinkedIn have a profile? good LinkedIn profile, that's enough. But I want to see if they have a web page. I mean, I think it's, it's, you're in the business of relationship building, and one of the things that you have to keep in mind is that some, not everyone's alike. Some people want to see that you have results and clients and, and recommendations and all the other Mark, malarkey marketing type talk that you have. Well, just you know, come up with an online brochure and stick it up there so that it's a it's a it's a way to lower the trust hurdle. Everything you do either raises or lowers trust. And if you don't have certain elements, certain people are going to be out there going, "I'm not going to deal with that person because they're not serious." Right. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't invest in the that. infrastructure. Okay. You or can at least have an online process. business card. I mean, or they want to see your results. Or they want to see their your latest and greatest thinking. They want to see the wow factor. Hmm. Okay. So now you're, you're, you people say, want to see different things. Okay. Now then, when you've you've lost your gorilla client, you you say reach out to people. Reach out. Yeah. Reach out. <laughs> Call people. <laughs> contact people in the same industry as the one you you just lost. You know, make that. Use that experience. Don't throw it to the side. Uh, but you have to do your research. Now, you've got uh, a, uh, a certain approach how to research your potential clients. You want to talk to us about that? Well, I want you to go through and try to figure out if it's the same industry, then you should know a lot about the industry, and you should know something about their brand and what their challenges are. Go in and help them solve their problems. Show how what you have, either your product, your services, your better recruits, whatever you have, can help them solve their problem faster and more effectively than what they're doing now. So, yes, you have to do a lot of homework. Not only that, but I would profile the person to bring up that dreaded profiling term that we were yeah, let's do profiling, but first, first, just let me say, we have to. You gave, you gave. Oh, do a lot of research. You didn't give any specifics. No one ever gets down to the nitty gritty, or at least not too often. They say, "Oh, research them." What am I researching? Okay, here I'll tell now, you exactly what to do. If I'm in the advertising side now, recruiting, I don't know. But if I'm in the advertising hey, side, I go think. online yeah. and I download their their uh, annual report. I go and I research their CEO and find any speeches and talks that they have done. I pull information from their current presentation, articles written about them. I make sure that I set up a Google alert with their name in it so that I get leads that come in anytime their firm is mentioned. 
I check out their financial statements. I do everything I can to learn as much as I can about that business before I make my first phone call. Okay, so you're looking at the speech the CEO made. Usually, isn't it just a bunch of blather? What do you get out of that that's useful? Uh, Because usually they bring up something that is their challenge. Now, you have to read between the lines. You've got to know how to read these things. So they're going to get up there, and they're going to say, we're having a great year, blah, 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 and it's a lot of blather. But then if you strip it apart and you look and you go, I can see from reading this that you guys have a big challenge happening in China right now. That's a challenge that maybe we can help you with. Can you give us one example? You don't have to mention any company names where you've actually researched somebody. Yeah, I can tell you uh, – I can tell you about a client that I had many years ago. We went in. This was when I was on the advertising side. We went in to to pitch them on some ideas. We had done a ton of research, pulled all the information I could, and I was with an old ad guy, you know, one of these these gurus, and I had done all this mountain of research. I had, you know, four inches thick of uh, reports, and he flopped down in the in the seat next to me as we were driving out to meet this guy and thumbed through it, just, you know, thumb through, kind of read the whole thing, scanned it real quick, and then sat down in that meeting and asked them specifically about a lawsuit that he had noticed in some footnote somewhere, and that was the key that just made them think, golly, they know more about my business than anybody else. So it's kind of seeming to know something more than it's actually knowing really knowing. To ask. Yeah, you don't, have to, you don't have to know everything about the industry. All you have to do is know what good questions to ask that's going to trick that little brain, hind lizard brain of theirs to say, ooh, they, they get us, they get me, they get this industry. Haven't you ever read Sun Tzu, Animal? Uh, no, I found it boring. I, I didn't see the relevance. That's I, why I, you're, I never that's saw why you're a loser. Okay. <laughs> 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 Sun Tzu okay. tells you how to win. Okay, well, I'm a big okay. uh, as a as a former marine. I am a big follower of Sun Tzu. So. He was the best ever, man. Yeah, so's, uh, epic. You're, you're, you're marine too. So's Alejandro. There you go. Semper Fi. Yeah. Happy belated birthday, Marine. Thank you. Okay, so you're going to tell us about profiling now, which I don't believe in. Okay, and I noticed you use the four quadrant uh, system. So go ahead, tell us how, and give us at least some examples how it's worked for you. All right, I'll give you – let me start off by saying I'll give you a classic example. Every time you go to visit a new client, a new prospect, what's generally the second thing they say after you walk through the door? After they say, hey, it's nice to meet you, Jay, I'm having trouble finding the place, blah, talk blah, to Jerry, blah. He goes, talk to Jerry. He goes and visits a lot. Okay, of well, I'll, I'll, I'll pretend like a guy in a situation where I'm kind of walking in. In that kind of a situation, my guess would be the second thing that they say, just want to let you know, we're already using another firm. <laughs> That's typically the third thing. You've, you've already set up a meeting. You come into the room, and they're going to be nice. They're going to ask you, can I get you something? Would you yep. like a cup of coffee, mm. some water? Mm. Right? Sure. Yeah, sure. And then That's, I say, I mean, that's, that's no, the polite thing set. to do, Yeah. right? Yep. All right, so so let's just clarify this. What's the right answer to that question? I don't know. Sometimes I want a, gl- a cup of water. I usually I'll see what they're, if they're going to have a cup of coffee. I'll have one with them. If they're not, then I'm I not. don't give a flip about what you want. It's all mm-hmm. about what their expectations are. What are they expecting? Some people to do? want. Some people want you to have a cup of coffee with them, and some people are just asking to be nice, and they could care less. Okay. And I'll give you a classic example. I was out on the West Coast, and I had a client that I had been hunting for 
10 years, called me up and say, hey, can you meet? And I said, yeah. And I said, he said, how soon can you get here? And I said, I can be there tomorrow morning. He said, I open up the door at 7.30. I said, great, I'll be there. Caught a red eye, flew over with my partner, a big guy named Bill. Big Bill. Big Bill. So we walk in after, you know, the red eye, shave at the airport thing, you know, put on a coat and tie, go in and meet this guy. He's unlocking the doors where you're walking up, and it's a nice, you know, hey, good to meet you. We're storming through. Now, I had profiled this guy as being, you know, one of those results-oriented, non-personable people before I even met him. So I knew when he asked me, would you like a cup of coffee, my answer was going to be no. I forgot to tell Bill. We open the door. We're walking down the hall towards his big corner office, and he shouts over his shoulder, you boys want anything? And Bill says, I would love to have a cup of coffee. You could see him physically shut down and stop in his tracks. He turned around and looked at Bill, looked at me, humped, and turned and started walking down towards the kitchen, threw coffee into a pot, was grumbling the whole time. And I was, that meeting was done. We were over. We were, we, nothing I could have said or presented at that moment would have saved it. Well, we being that early, time. though, shouldn't Bill have asked, well, do, you, do you have a pot going? I don't want to trouble you. <laughs> He just got off of a red eye with three hours Way of sleep. Way to go, Bill. <laughs> okay, so how did you profile the guy? Because he said in an abrupt way, I'm there at 7. I opened the door at 7.30. It wasn't very friendly. It was very businesslike. Is that how you knew he was a, a driver? Someone who that, and not I looked a real at people his, person? And I had called him a dozen times. I had reached out to him a dozen times. Never got he through to him, but his, his assistant had called me back. Mm-hmm. So that's the second clue is when when somebody has their assistant, that means they like to delegate. So yeah, all right, that's that gives me a first, you know, second clue. And generally, you just look at how do they respond to voicemail? How do they leave their their? How do they do they leave a voicemail with a lot of detail? It's Wednesday, uh, you know, I'll be in the office from seven until ten, or is it just the number? Those are all clues on how to identify patterns of people that are out there. Okay, so you've got four types. You give them advertising agency-type names, right? Yeah, let me go through them real quick just so we know what we're talking about. Okay. Top, top, there's two types of people in the world. The first way to look at this, there are, pe- there are people who are people people, and then there are people who are focused on the task. Task versus people. So if you, if you want to profile somebody, you would say, are they task or people-oriented? Richard Nixon, for example. Is he task or people? Task. Yeah. Oh, uh, let's say Bill Clinton. Was he task or people? People, but I would say both because he was a policy wonk as well. But people, yeah, right? Yeah, but he's people. He was all about the people. Now, the second question to ask is, are they high assertive or low assertive? If they're low assertive, they tend to ask a lot of questions. If they're high assertive, they tend to make statements. So now that you have these two angles, these left and right quadrants and vertical quadrants of, you know, task versus people and low versus high, we can start putting labels on each one. Now, a highly assertive person who is also focused on task is what we call a headline. A headline is just like the headline in the ad. It's the bold statement tells you exactly what they're looking for. They want results. They want it now. And they want, they, they're, the, they're the decision makers on the planet. They make snap decisions fast. And if you don't offer them options, they're going to present options to you right out of thin air, and it drives people crazy. So you've got to know how to handle headlines. Then you have the low assertive person, body copies. That's all the facts and figures, detail, 
focus on the task, focus on the job, but they're the, they're the movers of mountains, the data mavens, the, the number crunchers. They're the ones who spend a lot of time moving and, and thinking. And you can tell these people because when you knock on their door, it takes them three minutes to unplug from their computer before they recognize you're standing next to them. Then you have the relationship people down in the bottom left corner, which is low assertive and people people focused. And they're the warm, friendly, get nice to get to know you, kumbaya kind of stuff. And then you have the high flash illustration type people. That's the, the people who represent the image that catches your eye. That's the center of the life of the party, the center of the universe type person. They're people oriented and, uh, and what they're people oriented. And what's the other one? Uh, Highly assertive, assertive. right? Assertive, yeah, okay. They're the ones who are dancing on the table at 2 o'clock in the morning. Okay, yeah, but the thing is, with with Bill, you'd had some experience with his, he didn't call you personally, he had his his secretary do it, and um, I I don't know how you, like, how do you get enough cues that you can identify someone? I mean, I just, you have to guess, but I had enough clues. I mean, generally, if if you can get one or two or three data points, I can pretty much tell you the type of person that you're going to be dealing look, with. Look, look, Jerry seems amiable. He seems like the uh, you know the the uh, whatever the expressive the the, the expressive type as could well. Could be, but he I could be. But he's business oriented too. I try he to is be really serious. Yeah, but Jerry's about an outlier. Business. Yeah, but he's an illustration. Be. He's an illustration. <laughs> and what what is that again? That's highly assertive. Very active, loves new gadgets, new tricks, new ideas, um, and is focused on people. Likes to build relationships. Likes to look. You you probably love Starbucks, right? Sometimes, like if yeah. other people are doing Starbucks. No, no, yeah, no, no. then let's go no. along. If that's no. what the crowd's doing. <laughs> okay, I'd say he's people oriented, but he's very yeah, I'm people oriented. Yeah, he's people oriented, and he's a musician. He shouts at the beginning of the show, but he's does very. Does he tell people what to do, or does he ask people what to do? Or and sometimes when he's asking, he's really telling. I try to I try to help them decide that that's what needs to be done. Baloney. <laughs> that answer that says it all, <laughs> right there. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be any other way. Okay. <laughs> hey, what type ask- of what type of car do you drive? Uh, well, I've got a minivan, a truck, a Mercedes, and another minivan. Answered right there. You're an illustration. Okay, does anybody on the line, there's a lot of people, anybody want to argue with uh, Bobby here? There's a lot to argue with. You, you know, the guy who invented this system, he's the same guy who created Wonder Woman, and he's been in the news a lot lately because uh, he, uh, even though he created Wonder Woman so girls would have uh uh, a, a model of a superhero to empower them. He yeah. used to have. She was in chains and stuff a lot because he said <laughs> that he apparently he, he was quoted as having that saying that women have a submissive nature. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's a hearsay. So there's been a number of articles about him online. Did you know that, Bob? No, uh, but I'm going to go and uh, do a little research on that. Just you know, the original Wonder Woman is still the best. I think. Uh huh. Anyway, he created both the disc system and uh, the Wonder Woman comic. And, and apparently, and there's a new movie about him or a biography or something like that coming out. So give us some more hey, examples. So you brought up TV. Let me, let me toss this thought out. You, you do realize that many popular television shows use profiling in their characters. Give us an example. 
take Star Trek, the original series. Okay. Right? Who's the headline? Kirk. I mean, Jim. he's the decider. He's the one who sits in the chair. Yeah, he knows Jim. what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. Who's the you illustration? The illustration. I can't remember what the, the illustration Flamboyant, sword-welling Scott. But he's also okay. an engineer, but he's still the illustration. Who's the uh, body copy? All the facts, no emotion. Uh, yeah, the Vulcan, yeah, right, Mr. Spock. Spock. And then, of course, the doctor, who was the amiable, you know, I'm just no, a doctor. No, no, he wasn't amiable. He was a bleeding heart, but he was a logo. He was all logo. He was all about making sure everyone, you know, was taken care of, and we had give consensus. Us real life. You gave us Bill. Do you have any other real-life examples where you, on just a few cues, can pick up who you're dealing with, and figure out how to deal with them. Because the only thing you told us so far is that Bob or Bill shouldn't have asked that guy for a coffee. What what should have happened? Like, what what should you have done in that situation? Or tell us of another situation where you actually did something. But, but frankly, anybody could have recognized the dude didn't have a cup of coffee on him. He was heading to do some business. He was in a hurry. He probably didn't have any coffee going, and he should have just said, yeah, I don't worry about it. Yeah, well, you gotta you're right. You've got to judge the situation. If most, a guy standing there with a big people. slurpy 48-ounce cup of coffee, <laughs> do you want a coffee? I love coffee. I can't if, get uh, enough coffee. I wish I would have brought my jug. <laughs> the, uh, let, me, let me just say that um, most good salespeople do this intuitively, um, but, it's, but there are many people out there who don't do it intuitively, and, and it can be taught. That's the good news. Hmm. And I will give you another example. Talk about mirroring. Well, it's yeah, it's yeah, it's a little bit like mirroring, but mostly it's a lot also like understanding. It. Let me give you another example. It was a big presentation. All right. Biggie. Now this agency, this was a huge worldwide agency. They had just decided that they were, you know, uh, they they were known for being process oriented, good client service you know, kind of the facts and figure, detail-type agency, and they hired a brand-new creative director to bring in some new life into the party, and this creative director was flamboyant off the charts. So they had this opportunity to go and pitch this huge account, and they did not bother to profile the people that they were pitching. And so they decided, because this new creative director was riding, you know, driving the boat, that they were going to go in with an over-the-top, flamboyant, exciting, new, and interesting-type presentation. Now, the reason that this agency was invited in is because they were known for doing the blocking and tackling facts and figure type account. They came in and presented over-the-top flamboyant and totally whiffed. Another agency that I was working with who was flamboyant and highly excitable and was only brought in just to see what ideas they could deliver, we came in and delivered a fact-based, process-driven presentation and won it going away. That was about a $200 million account. Okay, but what you're saying there is a little different. You're saying you look at the overall company culture or their reputation, the kind no, of No, I look at the did. people. Oh, God, no, I don't care about the company and the culture. I look at the people. I looked at – I study everyone who was going to be in the room who we were presenting to and figured out what were their profiles and how were they going to make their decision and what were they going to do. So, yeah, you've got an article called Solve the Client – not her problems. Before you run out to your next new business pitch, invest time in understanding the prospect. Not the client problems, but the people, the decision makers. Forget about their problems, although you said that's important too. 
figure out who they are. What are their patterns, their personalities, the way they like to make decisions, how they want to receive information. Uh, you know, I, I'm baffled. I know I can never figure that out. But I read your uh, recommendations on LinkedIn, and you've managed to get some people there, and quite a number of them, attesting that, yes, you've taught them how to create chemistry. Am I right? Yeah, well, it's it's easy to do if you understand the mechanics behind it. Let me just say this. If you're going to go present to a headline, you need to present options. But if you're going to present to a body copy and you present options, then you've just lost. It's that simple. Because a body copy doesn't know what to do with options. They don't know how to make decisions. They like to follow a process and come up with one clear answer at the end. Most agencies build a presentation and go in and, and always do the same type of presentation to every client. Instead, what I suggest is you figure out the client, the people, and then tailor your presentation to how they like to decide. Headlines, they want to make decisions. If you don't give them a decision, in other words, options, they're going to reject you if you just go in with process. But if you go into a body copy and give uh, you know, just one recommendation, that works because they will say, yes, I understand your process, I believe in your process, and I agree with this recommendation. Let me ask you a question. If you go into a, okay, to a go logo, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, with a logo, you've got to win everyone else, not the, not the key person, because a logo is going to go around and ask for consensus. They're going to ask everyone friendly, else in the room. That's the friendly person. That's the yeah, that's person. the warm, friendly person. And then with an illustration, you've got to go in and give a home run, big idea, over the top, something that's never been done before. Okay. Do you have to have a particular personality to do this, to be someone who can do new business development? No, I've seen, it all, I've seen all four work. It's just that you, what you need and what's not measured on my little chart is called versatility. And that means the ability to move from one quadrant to another quickly. I worked with a CEO for many years. He was a great guy, but he was a pure headline. He could not move out of that headline quadrant. So we never took him on a pitch. We never took him on a, on a review until the final moments. And then he came in, blessed it, said this was great, I like it, and you know, made the decision and stomped his foot and said this is it. And then the clients all agreed, and we went on and went, you know, did great work with them. But you wouldn't bring him into a place where he needed to sit down. Let me ask you this. Here's another pattern thing to look for. When you're meeting with a headline, how long do you chit-chat before you bring up business? Which one's a headline? You have to remind us. I'm confused already. All right. The, the headline, headline is that time. highly assertive, task-driven person. Just get down to business. No chit-chat. No chit-chat. Right. 30 seconds, you bring up business. You're, you're right in line with them. If you try to chit-chat with them for more than 30 seconds, you've lost. With a body copy, it's going to be five to seven minutes. They're the detail, low assertive, very cautious, neat experience type buyer. With them, you've got to chit-chat for five to seven minutes about, you know, generally more business type stuff, but you, you kind of warm, let them ease into it. They will give you a clue to tell you that they're ready to start talking about business by reaching out onto their desk and moving one little thing. And the instant they do that, you switch to business and tell them why you're in this meeting. Logos. You need to chit-chat for 25 minutes, 20 to 25 minutes before you bring up business. If you try to bring up business before 20 minutes go by, you've lost them. Who's the logo person? They're the warm, friendly, low-assertive, people-or-people type people. And so you chit-chat about school and church and religion and backgrounds and where and family and kids. And, and headlines are dying. They're sitting on their hands going, can we talk about business already? But if you don't sit the there point? and chit-chat... 
you're dead. I can't do that. I know I can't Executive do that. summary, yeah. I got a question. Go ahead. So so what if you're, you know, you get pulled into a meeting and you're trying to assess somebody and you don't really have time to do the research? Is there a safe approach to uh, try and yeah, look uh, at how they're dressed? This... Look at where they okay. sit at the table. Look at how they walk in. Do they stay behind the desk or do they walk around the desk? Do they give you a firm handshake and look in the eye or do they give you a softer handshake and kind of shy back a little bit? Do they make the, you know, declarative statements or do they ask more questions? So nonverbal cues. Nonverbal cues. I mean, look, every headline wants to sit at the head of the table. So if you walk into a conference room and you're not sure, put your business card at the head of the table and give him, them the option to sit down and take a hold of your business card. But if they walk past it, picking up the business card and then sit on the side, then you know you're dealing with a low assertive person. It's probably a body copy or a logo. Okay. Nice. That's I a got, good I, trick right there. I should put your, I'll put your chart up on the uh, – because you've got a chart on, on, on that same article that I quoted. Solve the client, not her problems. So any more questions about that? i got a few other issues to get to before we, uh, before we finish the show, because there's no after show. You say when you're doing this gorilla, you know, you lost your gorilla, you're, you're on a rampage for new business, don't be subtle. Forget the written proposal. Proposals are for losers. I love that. Proposals are for <laughs> losers. They take too long. Don't use PowerPoint decks. Deck, decks have no power to sell your ideas. But you do recommend learn how to use California boards, process sheets, logic trails, and emotion stops in your presentations. What are those? What's a California board? I have no idea. No. Uh, it's A California board was something, if you know the agency ahead, world, uh, there's a big agency out on the West Coast called Chai at Day that did – yeah. Uh, do you remember the 1984 commercial with the woman running, you know, introducing yeah, the Mac? Yeah, yeah. All right, they were the ones who did that. They are the ones who invented California boards. And what a California board is is a uh, it's a foam core board that's uh, four foot by eight foot, eight foot tall, and on it they have a logic trail. Here's the process that we followed. Here's the different ideas. Here are the dead ends. And here are all the different ideas, and here's how we structured them. And they have three or four of these boards that they use to present their creative and their ideas on. Now, in your world, it may be better to use what we call process sheets. And so what I recommend you do is you go in and you, you know, whatever problem the client that you're meeting with has, you want to pour gasoline on. You want them to feel the pain. You want to be that doctor, you know, that says, does this hurt, does this hurt? And when you find something that hurts, you really poke it hard to make it hurt even worse. Because then you can solve that problem. You leave with them wanting more, and then you come back in 48 hours. You only have 48 hours before there's a new problem on their desk and you've lost your opportunity. You come back in 48 hours with 15 sheets, handwritten, rolled up, and you unroll them and hang them on the wall around them, and you surround them in your solution, and you walk them through one sheet after another. Here's the problem. Here's what we understand it to be. Here are the different options. Here's the one we're recommending. Here are the next steps. Here's the budget, the timeline, everything. You know what? Rebecca Sargent, she's a friend of the show, she always takes in a process sheet with 15 steps on it. But, you know, for, for me, it's like hard to grasp because recruiters do the same thing pretty well all the time. And so... But she says it's quite compelling for them. So, okay, now I, I get the picture. There's five minutes left. Is there anything? Oh, you also say consider consulting. The big, some of the big firms 
are going into consulting. Corn Ferry, I sent you the article. Um, I don't know if you saw yeah, it, but I did. they're making they're making way more money consulting, turning their their headhunting clients, their executive search clients, into consulting clients. But smaller firms, I don't think they can switch gears into consulting. So I don't know if it's worth mentioning. I'll just say that it's it's happening. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us in the last five minutes that you? that we haven't covered like i noticed you got an article don't overthink just do something yeah you got a, a an article about planning you know how to figure out the perfect client for your agency anything like that you'd like to talk about before we're done yeah the only thing i would say is that um in going back to the gorilla client you really do need to have a strong new business system and by system i mean a process by which you find a way somehow, by hook or by crook, to do regular outreach to your list of good prospects who you want to do business with down the road. Because if you're not constantly building more relationships and more contacts and feeding that hopper, then someday, sooner or later, and we have a saying in the agency world, you actually don't have any clients. You're just borrowing them for a little while. So sooner or later, your clients are going to leave. And when they do, you need to be able to backfill that as quickly as possible. And it takes six months to a year to ramp up a, a strong new business system. Okay. I think Will Thompson wrote an article about not having anything in life. You're just borrowing it from God. And, and you're saying the uh, exact same thing. <laughs> Anybody else want to say something to the at new business hawk? At new business hawk website, Sanders Consulting. Dot com sandersconsulting.com anybody want to say anything to him before we go 5 4 3 2 Bobby Sanders 